everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. I write about all kinds of different endurance, fitness, and outdoorsy kind of stuff for a bunch of different places, including my own site over at theoutdooredit.com. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach. All right, so today we decided we're going to tackle the topic of daily routines. Um, we get a lot of people that ask us both, Peter as a coach and then me as both a coach and then just someone who writes about this stuff for a living, all about, you know, what are favorite apps for recording workouts or, you know, favorite ways of keeping track of recovery or, you know, best breakfasts or, you know, is oatmeal still the cool breakfast of athletes? Uh, what time do we go to bed at night? Uh, which is a pretty lame answer, but we'll get to that. So we figured we would kind of wrap it all up in one episode of just sort of hitting on our favorite... Uh, most effective routines that we've found over the last few years. I think, you know, it's pretty important to both of us to have a routine that we can kind of stick to, to to the best extent we can, pretty much wherever we are. So I think most of what we talk about is stuff that doesn't really take a lot of gear or like a certain setup in most cases. Uh, a lot of it is stuff that you can sort of do whether you're in a hotel room or whether you're on vacation with the family or you're in your house and you haven't left. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something, you know, if you travel a lot that you can bring with you and grounds you wherever you are. And then at home, it's something that before the craziness of the day happens, you get, you know, a, a few things that need to get done, done. Uh, and that's how I certainly look at my morning routine. It certainly changes. It's a little flexible if we're in a hotel room or if we're, you know, staying with people and don't even have a bedroom or if we're at home at our own place. But the main sort of features, which we'll talk about here in a second, sort of always stay. And it, it evolves over time, certainly. But um, I think having that thing where you don't have to make a decision. It's just this, I get up, and then this is step one, step two, step three, and all the key stuff gets done. Yeah, I've definitely noticed on the days that I don't get to stick to morning routines, and I mean, a lot of that depends on, like, if we have a, you know, 6 a.m. flight or something, I'm not getting up at 2 in the morning to hit 20 minutes worth of routine stuff, or our breakfast is not going to be perfectly dialed. I can definitely feel that by the end of the day. I think the morning routine is definitely the most important part for both of us in terms of setting up for kind of a more productive day and a day that flows a lot smoother. We both get pretty out of sorts when we don't get yeah, to do it's, it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, if you have an early day where you have to be at the door really early or for athletes who are training right off the bat, you know, it might have to get shifted to more of a, a lunch routine or, you know, post-workout routine before you're out the door. Um, you know, if you're traveling and you're at the airport, some of it might, you might have to just do some some core and stretching if that's part of your routine, you know, at the airport once you get in through the, the gate, right? And obviously not every day is perfect, and that's that's not the point. Yeah. Okay, so I'd say both of us start the day with our HRV monitoring, and we've had Marco Altini, uh, who created the HRV for Training app, we've had him on twice now to talk about the importance of heart rate variability and what it can do. I think we'll both say it's probably like the best app that we use throughout the day. Um, it just measures basically the space between your heartbeats and then, you know, you answer a few subjective questions about your sleep, about your training the day before, how you're feeling. Uh, you have to get really honest and let it know if you've had any alcohol the night before. 
either nothing, a little, or a lot. Um, what compromises or what comprises a little or a lot can you know, vary person to person, but it's definitely a a pretty tough one to. We were both saying it's it's one of the things every morning you get to it and you're like, oh man, did I drink? You have to think about it, and you know, it does help inform your decisions later in the day, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely motivating when you can put zero. So. Yeah, and you, feel good you, about you usually that. feel better already. So starts the day off yeah so you take yours laying down Mm -hmm. uh, and conveniently I take mine I just go to the washroom and sit on the toilet and I do this for a variety of reasons basically as you get fitter not to be egotistical but as you get more aerobically fit uh, or very tired which I'm probably more the latter than the former but um, your heart rate gets very low and the variability tends to get very high Uh, so often taking a seated measure or standing measure can be show more variability day to day whereas if I just laid down my body's just fine like it it usually won't show much variation so many years ago I started doing it seated and then I was like doing it in living room and stuff and people would walk by or start making breakfast or yell at me or whatever ask why I was sitting there quietly staring into space so I started doing it in a washroom because washrooms are pretty much everywhere and you can do it anywhere right so that's where I usually do mine um I'm not unfit. I just really don't like getting out of bed. So anything that gives me an excuse to hit yeah, most five minutes. most people who are are fine doing it laying down, and it, it is better because then you're not jumping all around, and there's less variables just from you know wobbling around and supporting yourself. So there's pros and cons, but that's that works for us because you can do it alone. Um, uh, anyone new to the show, we're we're married and we live together, so <laughs> that's we're not just like two random co-hosts that just have. A weird knowledge of each other's morning routines. Pointing out, Um, yeah. So from there, where does your routine go? Uh, From there, I literally roll onto the floor and start doing my morning core and yoga routine, which is five minutes of different planks and then a super quick yoga flow. It ends up being between ten and fifteen minutes, give or take. For the whole thing. Yeah, for the whole thing. So I think it's. I've been doing that. I realize now for over three years, and I think I've missed maybe five mornings. Do you know how many hours of core that adds up to? It's a lot. I mean, I have a lot of clients that really got addicted to that, and I've seen great results, actually, with that sort of 10 minutes a day, and that's over an hour a week, right? So that's 50 hours in the year. Um, You know, that adds up, for sure. And, you know, a lot of cyclists, endurance athletes, are very hesitant to ever go to a gym and it gets skipped very quickly whereas I think if it's in this morning routine we all agree you know there should be some element of movement variety you know moving yourself through some range of motion doing some back maintenance or you know whatever you believe in uh, yoga whatever just to sort of we'll call it meditation even it's pretty beneficial yeah I also want to hit on the fact that like everyone's very hot under the collar it feels like about fasted state runs and rides and all of that But I think this, if you haven't done that and you're not proficient with it, I do think this is like a really gentle way to start because you are with like the planks and stuff that I do, like my heart rate is getting up and it's not much, but at least it's a start to the fasted state thing instead of just bulldozing your way into a two hour endurance ride before breakfast. Yeah. I mean, I always try and look at it as it's a way, you know, if by the end of it, I can be warm. Uh, I'm really sweating by the end of it, but if I can be warm by the end of it, then to me that's you know a good sort of setup, almost a post-workout window where I'm maybe better able to digest and get that 
breakfast sort of set up and ready for maybe later in the day to do a workout. Yeah, so again, we both go to our corners and do our various core routines, and I think they look pretty different, but kind of hit the same. Yeah, and we've posted uh, a couple versions of my Anywhere core routine, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, essentially there's lunges and there's some on-the-ground plank stuff, there's, you know, some back extensions, there's squats, there's all sorts of variety of things, and some clients will do a bunch of different exercises, some will do, some of them are just all planks, like you, for a while, just only did planks, right, and you rotated through, like, side plank and normal plank and stuff. That's still all I do, but with the, I've always had yoga on the tail end of it. Right. And I've so, added a few things over the years. I, I tend to take the, you know, everyone's got their thing and, you know, they've been told by physio they're supposed to do, you know, ankle mobility or they're supposed to do some glute, you know, walk with a band sideways or do a side plank or whatever, right? So this is, the reason we're doing this in the morning is so that it gets done, mm-hmm. right? You know, you, you know you have that hip flexor or that hamstring that gives you trouble. What if you stretched, you know, or mobilized or strengthened or whatever you believe in just for 10 minutes every morning. So that's why that's number two on the list. What's yeah. number three? Number three is breakfast. And so... I don't know if it's my breakfast, but I, I start breakfast as part of my routine. Yeah, that's it's a great routine. So my I routine really like is that. I uh, we usually have a, a strip or two of bacon to sort of get the pan greased up. And then I'll chop up a sweet potato or two. Uh, usually I skin the sweet potato and then I chop it up. Put it in. Uh, often we'll add like another. Today we had red pepper in with that. Uh, and then I'll cover that. We always cover it. We have a massive pan that we cover. And then I'll go and sort of start into my core. And then usually I come back sort of midway through my core and throw in uh, spinach or kale. Uh, we keep those sort of divided. Molly doesn't like spinach and eggs mixed in with the sweet potato. I'm so. definitely a fan of that three-part plate. Right. So then we put the eggs and spinach together uh, on one half of the 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 frying pan and then I cover it, walk away, go finish my core. Uh, and then usually Molly comes out and flips that at some point, but sometimes not. But it's a covered <laughs> covered pan on low and we've sort of figured out the setting so that nothing catches on fire if, if we leave it for a while. Yes, but heaven help Peter if the bacon gets mixed into the eggs. That's right. That's grounds for divorce right there. Yeah, so that's, that's sort of breakfast. And then so that's sort of going while I'm doing some core. Um, and then usually I also have two other things on my list. So I have five things. Um, I always go outside in the morning. Uh, usually I take, like, we have some recycling or some garbage or something has to go out, and our, our garbage sort of spot is outside. So I'll walk outside, just sort of suss out what the day looks like, and, you know, that way if I am going to go out and train later in the day, you know, I haven't, it's not like this unknown thing you're looking at the window and thinking it's the coldest day ever. Uh, and then we get the recycling out, and then I'll usually do some other, you know, laundry or clean the floor or something, just some quick maintenance around the house, tidying or whatever, just to... To me, that's always like a nice boost, you know, the day sort of the house is organized, the office is organized, whatever, right? So I just, that's pretty free form, just whatever needs doing, but that's sort of my five or six things there. I guess I should also add the other thing I do is I do, in fact, lay in bed and check email. So a couple of things with yeah, that. Yeah, Molly though. violates a lot of the I know. That's actually number two for you. You do that before your yoga, I which I it would blow my mind. I would never get anything done if I checked my email. So well, you get a lot. To each their own. This demonstrates hey, their hey, variety. Hey. A couple things here. Peter gets more client emails and stuff, so a lot of his would be a lot more like, oh my gosh, I need to respond to this right away. Whereas my stuff tends to not be super urgent. It really, to me, is more 
of like a I get to look at it I get to relax about the fact that very infrequently are there fires that I actually need to put out um, but I get a good sense of what's going on and kind of what I have coming up I get rid of all the spam that's in my inbox and I read the daily skim which is like the this short little email newsletter that just kind of hits like top world news in a really and that's, some people might way. like that I again I don't recommend that as the the world news was troubling but what is this website that people can get it's called the daily skim and it's s-k-i-m-m super easy really digestible news um I don't know that everyone's gonna love the style in which it's presented it's you know a little on the girly side I guess but it is all like actual political and global news not just hmm. what the Kardashians are up to or anything Although it is nice because it does tell me if the Kardashians are up to anything major. Um, towards the bottom, it has a little pop culture section. So, you know, I'm kind of always up to date. I feel like as a journalist, it behooves me to kind of start my day with that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, I do that. I guess I should have added that. I also have a greens powder that I drink in like a 10-ounce cup, I'd say. And then I do a bit of apple cider vinegar in another glass of water. So I'm and big... This, this is like... You finished your yoga. Finish my yoga, then I do those. And I know it's a lot of water. It's probably about a pint of water at that point. But as someone who definitely struggles to drink enough water throughout the day, I find it's a good kickstart to that. Yeah, I think, you know, that's you see that often as a, you know, drink a giant glass of water or, or two even right in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, it, it gets done, right? Like I'm as bad as anyone for not drinking enough on rides or throughout the day. And, you know, if you can just sort of throw that down you know, it often helps. Yeah. So these kind of actually bring me to the other topics that we kind of had going in here. Uh, the idea of intermittent fasting has come up a bunch. And I actually just did an article for Matt My Run about it. I talked to Dr. Stacy Sims, who, you know, most of you might know as the author of Roar uh, and, you know, the woman who founded Osmo Nutrition, just kind of a brilliant scientist in terms of sports nutrition and, you know, how women in particular function. But she's just so well known in terms of her work in sports nutrition. So we chatted about it and her main thing with intermittent fasting is that most athletes, especially those hoping to actually have good training throughout the day, don't need to do 24 hour fasts or even 15 or 16 hour fasts. We should be doing what our human bodies are meant to do finishing eating after dinner and not starting to eat again until breakfast so that we have a natural between 10 to say 13 hour fast. So if you finish your dinner by, you know, say 6.30 and you don't eat breakfast again till 6.30, you've gotten in 12 hours and that's really most of what your body needs to really restart and have that kind of fasted state response. So for people interested in the idea of intermittent fasting, maybe make sure that you can do that every single day really easily before you start getting into anything kookier than that. Yeah, and just making sure, you know, your meals are well composed and mixed sort of protein, fat, uh, carbohydrate, and also just sort of leaving. Are you able to make it between three, four or five hours between meals, uh, you know, without getting hangry or lightheaded or, you know, ravenous for that next meal? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually a good sign too, right? And a lot of us are missing that, but then it's very tempting to try this idea of intermittent fasting or fasting or just, you know, I'm just not going to eat all today or till dinner or something like that, right? And it's that balance, I think, for a lot of us is really the money spot. If you're looking for 
you know, any sort of performance or body composition stuff, especially if you haven't got that dialed in, you know, there's certainly high-end competitors or fitness model type folks, you know, bodybuilders where maybe it gets a little deeper on that, but it's hard. I don't have many clients that there's all those sort of boxes are checked on, you know, just having good balanced, regular nutrition. Yeah. So definitely before you go into the 24 hour fasts or anything, even considering anything like that, just please make sure you can handle 12 hours and are eating everything well like doing all of that stuff yeah or or you're working with like a professional a medical professional who's you know supervising that certainly it does have application for weight loss and a variety of other things but you want to be working with someone that's done it before and knows what to look for yeah absolutely Um, and then the other article i wrote recently and we actually have talked to jonathan beverly uh, a great author and run coach on the podcast about is the idea of a running streak. And this came to mind for morning routines because we've actually done that uh, for a while. We've probably we've probably spent six or eight months, I'd say, where every single morning we got up and the first thing we did was we went out for, you know, a two-ish mile run. Nothing crazy, like 15 minutes. Yeah, I like two, 2K to two miles is, is that morning sort of just like get up and move. Um, and that could be a walk, you know, start with a walk and with a couple of jogs in it, but you're just getting moving. And I mean, that's why, you know, I sort of go outside and suss it out. I think it just gets you moving. Yeah. I actually really loved doing it, but I think we shifted more to the core stuff because we've spent so much time on the road. Um, you know, from a hotel, it's not always the easiest thing in the universe to get out and go for a run. And I mean, especially if you have to kind of get up and get moving on work stuff or be on the road. Uh, the morning run, then you're a little sweaty, and it's a little less easy to kind of roll it's just right a big, into. And then if the weather's poor, right? Like you exactly. know, we went out on a lot of rainy and snowy days, but it's you know it pretty quickly becomes a 45 minute ordeal to get dressed and cleaned back up after, right? Yeah, especially in Canada where it's you know in the winter it's dark till 8 a.m. It's negative 30, so now you have a headlamp. You're in 18 layers. Um, you're pretty much waddling as you run because you have so many layers on. Um, so for us, it just didn't really make sense. I do wonder if I had a treadmill, if I would get back to it, or even if during the summer I'd be more inclined to get back to it. Um, but if you want to learn more about the running streak concept, or you want to think about like a riding streak, um, there are definitely uh, good and bad ways to approach those. I think uh, Jonathan will be the first person to say, and I have him talking about it in the article, like, don't be an idiot about it. Don't run through injury. Don't, you know, run in dangerous conditions. Don't, you know, and a 10 minute run is still a run. A walk can still count as your streak if, you know, the yeah, he's, he's calls big on it. frequency, right? And um, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I think, you know, you could insert maybe a walk in there once a, a week and just, you know, your run was a walk this, this week. You know, you're doing 10. 10 minutes per K, 11 minutes per K type pace, um, you know, and that's fine. That's, that's still technically like, you know, locomotion, you know, bipedal locomotion, like you can count this as a, a run. Bipedal locomotion just does not work, work for a streak. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, some off days in there too, but I mean, you could, it could be an easy 2K run and still count it as a run by that, that stretch, right? And, you know, you run on soft surface with your bigger shoes and you're giving your body, you know, Maybe you can include water running, right? But the the thing here is you're doing it, it's just your routine. Like there isn't a choice. And I think a lot of this this routine talk, these even hack talks, 
um, come down to eliminating choices, right? Like we all have, you know, the kids are, I, we don't have kids, but I, you know, a lot of my clients, you know, you're getting, you have to make choices for the kids. You have to take them to this. You have to, you know, it's snow day, so now you have to deal with them. You know, you're at work, you're making choices. So a lot of this, you know, the stuff that you want to do, presumably, you know, go ahead and ride your bike or go to the gym or whatever. You, you've got to make it so that it's auto, like it just, there isn't a choice. Um, you know, you're getting on your bike every single day if that's what you do. And, you know, there can be, there's definitely should be a plan for that. Some days are easy. Some days are hard. Uh, some days are fun. Some days are a little more monotonous. Um, but you're doing it every day, right? So that just that choice of starting, it's not even a choice, mm-hmm. right? Every morning I lay down on the floor and I start doing back extensions, right? And that's just how I start. I lay down on the floor and I start doing back extensions. I don't even choose. You know, and I, a lot of days, you know, if it's a Monday morning and I'm beat up from the weekend. As we were this morning, you know, Monday morning. Sometimes those back extensions are about all I have, right? But I flip over and side bridge and then flip over and then do some glute bridge. And then, um, you know, you sort of roll into it and you warm up and then, you know, maybe a lunge stretch and then maybe an actual lunge. And then now you're standing up. So now you got to squat. So same thing with the ride. Just start pedaling on your trainer if that's what it is, right? 10 minutes in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, just just pedals, they just have to move. Yeah, and I mean, on that note, I guess uh, one of the apps that I use every single day is this one called Todoist, and it just basically makes to-do lists, and some of the stuff can repeat daily, so once you check it off, it just moves to the next day. So every single day, I have check HRV, do morning yoga, and then just training as an open-ended one, because I my training peaks doesn't sync to it, but I know I have to be able to check off that I trained today thing. So having, you know, whatever that looks like for you, whether you actually have a physical to-do list or just having your Google calendar, they have to-do lists you can have in there. Yeah, and I just use, I use a combination of my inbox is like stuff that I need to take care of today. And then if not, I, I sort of cycle it through and we both use, what's the email app we Boomerang? use? Boomerang? Oh, Spark. So we have a phone app called Spark that lets you sort of, push emails like if I get an email and I can't really act on it till tomorrow or I'm gonna you know it's something that I'm gonna just deal with on the weekend it's not work related either you can push it to the weekend you can select a date you know if I have a flight I'll maybe push my flight info to the day before the flight um, you know a meeting I have to go on you know it can return to my inbox you know the hour before that meeting so I can just sort of brief myself on what's up uh, so Spark is a really good one because it lets you clear your inbox, but take action. So I'm either going to respond or I'm going to like delay that, get rid of it, but it's going to come back and say like, hey, like you have to phone this person or hey, you have to do this random errand, right? Um, and then I'll also have tasks that I then can take, and this might solve, get an email out of the inbox by putting it in my Google calendar as like, Monday at 9 a.m. I'm going to do this, right? So today we had to do a bunch of work around town uh, and I had to go to the gym. So I had my gym sort of clients in the calendar and then I had the couple chores I had to do, you know, along the way so I could just sort of follow along with that. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of my routine um, with the email and then the Google calendar. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of how I get things done. Um, We both use Evernote as well. So that we take a lot of notes in Evernote. Uh, the one thing I use that I actually just saw a book, someone's selling a book that essentially tells this concept. So I'll, I'll give you the info. So if you use, they called it like a master sheet. I call it a keeper, which I think there's actually another app called keeper, like Google, yeah, Google totally keep is. or something. 
Um, so essentially I just have a note that I can shortcut from Evernote, which will make sense if you've used Evernote, but actually it's just sort of like a, a bookmark in your email browser, but in the program for Evernote. And I just call it Keeper. So the note just is called Keeper. And then in that I have like stuff that I have to, you know, copy and paste to send to clients or, you know, key numbers, like my Aeroplan number or something, right? Like not necessarily sensitive data, but stuff that, you know, I need this, my coaching number I have to send all the time to people or my kin number. Like there's just these random numbers, you know, everyone has them, you know, uh, links, your phone number, your social, you know, Twitter, Instagram handles, your bio, whatever it is for you. Having this in one central place that's like two seconds to grab and copy and paste is just mind blowing for the benefit. And that's what this book was about. The book costs, I think, four ninety nine on Amazon, but yeah. uh, free for you. Yeah. And I was going to say, I feel like, you know, you might be listening to this and wondering what does that have to do with like being a consummate athlete? But I do think it does have a lot to do with it because if you can optimize all this stuff and you know, if you cut 15 minutes out of your day because you, you know, now have all of this stuff in one place or you I mean, figure out this. a better task thing. I guess, yeah. What does the workflow have to do? So, yeah, to me, I think I that think it sense. definitely does. I mean, I think these tools are everyone has a schedule. Yeah. Right. Like a, a consummate athlete, you know, responds quickly to emails and oh, yes. you know, books themselves in, you know, plans out the events they're going to do or the training rides they're going to do, mm-hmm. training workouts they're going to do. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, a lot of times it's, I don't have enough time for things. So if any of these, these tools can save you time, mm-hmm. then that's, that's a potential win, right? That's another, you know, if you don't have 10 minutes for core in the morning, well, if this Evernote note, it means you don't have to go looking for your, your air miles or your, your frequent flyer number anymore. Well, probably accumulate a little bit of time. Yeah. And I'd actually listed that when I was kind of writing out my best, uh, ideas for, you know, I hate the word hack, but we'll say hack. And this is, I guess, not really even one. It's pretty obvious, I guess. But it is uh, figuring out what your best work and workout flows are for you. Uh, so that way you can use, you know, you, you're using the best time for your energy and for your motivation. So I know for me, I can work really well in the morning after breakfast for about three hours. Then I sort of hit a wall. So I know after that, a workout is going to kind of kick me back back into wanting to work again or at least be into okay now it's time to eat lunch and you know have a little bit of a break and then work again um so i've learned through a lot of trial and error that while i love the idea of getting a workout done in the morning i'm actually wasting my sort of peak motivation for actual work that's due yeah i think that's a a lesson you know a lot of my athletes start out and they're used to maybe training in the middle of the day or you know they're coming from weekend warrior sort of status where you know they're training middle of the day but so they you know they always go to work in the morning maybe not wouldn't describe themselves as morning people but the morning you know that that morning workout if that's what you want to get done and then you also have to go to work so but you know you're gonna go to work so sometimes it's shifting things to get that important thing done first and you know if for molly that's you know she has to get these articles done with some motivation and energy and then you know you go for your run and that's sort of your release and you know you're free to go do that then the rest of the day um you know i think prioritizing that where the energy has to come from when the energy ebbs and flows throughout the day like i'm very much a morning person so as the day goes on it's I basically try and just do mindless tasks, right? Like pay bills are, is like an end of day, mm-hmm. you know, do the accounting or whatever. Um, 
Whereas like anything like writing or, you know, doing sort of the training stuff and talking to people, um, definitely way better in the morning. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think one of the other routines I've picked up recently that's worth mentioning is I've started with getting back to weekly measuring, uh, which I really hate doing, to be totally honest. I find it very mentally challenging for me. Um, but I do think it's super important, especially... And you're talking like measuring body. Yeah, so measuring like body. body. It's like circumferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I do waist and hip. I've done others in the past, but I kind of keep coming back to these two. I think for me right now, because I don't have any massive goal, like last summer we had Iron Man, so I was basically stuck in a certain training routine. This summer I have a lot of fitness goals, but not necessarily any like one massive thing that's going to take all I have. Um, so it's all about kind of being pretty much consummate athlete style ready for a lot of different things. Um, which means I kind of need something to keep me, uh, keep me a little more honest, we'll say. So I find measuring is something I can tolerate doing. I'm not a huge fan of the scale. I never have been, and I never ever will be, despite the fact that one of our wedding presents was a digital scale. I mean, I love our digital scale. I actually do that right after my HRV. I just didn't talk about that, but, um... It, it's I like our digital scale actually, but it, it's not for everyone. And I think I think the thing that gets missed like it's funny. A lot of people will weigh themselves every day, but they won't take that body measurement. And I think there's like a truth in there somewhere. Everyone has like the one that's like okay for them. No, I just mean that like I think we know on some level that those body measurements are the ones that actually are that we're concerned about. Right? But why will we step on the scale, no matter what the number? I will also add, the scale is so questionable because it's, you know, what did you eat last night? How hydrated are you? What's well, no one, no one can stomach? see the scale, right? Like, you could just be, you know, whatever. You could be the super muscular person and look phenomenal. Like, it just, the number only matters so much. You know, for power to weight sports, it matters. But to me that, like, I actually just told a client to just, like, his scale had some convoluted thing where it only it doesn't have a display on it only goes to like a watch via ant plus which is now like disappearing um (laughs) amazing product development but uh, that's fantastic i I actually wish that would happen but i was like like the important thing here is that we just you know is actually that waist to hip week we know that's correlated well with like a bunch of health stuff but like the pant size is really what a lot of people are you know stressed on and that's what they want to improve so why don't we just measure that? I think once a month even is fine. But if you want to keep yourself honest, do it every week or you wouldn't do it every day. I don't think it would take some time and I don't uh, know if you're going to see a ton, but bonus, you can do this on the road. A tape measure costs nothing and you can bring it with you. Yeah. I mean, even just a pair of pants really. But, um, I think having that measurement is definitely something, right? And you can actually see those changes relatively, you know, I'm not going to say quickly, it, cha- it can be a variable amount of time for everyone, but um, I, I, like I say, I think there's a truth to the fact that a lot of people do not want to. Like, it's like pulling teeth to get people to do it. That's funny. Yeah, and I think it's, again, I think it's a super important one. I think a lot of our health sort of thing, it's also a great sort of surrogate to, you know, body fat percentage it is this, you know, waist to hip. Mm-hmm. Or waist and hip, really. The ratio is important too, but both those measures really, right? Yeah. Okay, as far as routines go, I also wanted to just touch on some of our gym stuff because we both strength train at this point a couple times a week at least. So a couple things we've kind of done now and in the past. We've talked a bunch on 
on different Q&A episodes about pull-ups. We have a pull-up bar in the house. We both probably do at least a couple every day. Just kind of, if you walk into our office, you have to walk under the pull-up bar. So it's pretty easy to just do a couple. And I noticed today at the gym, I jumped into Peter's class and there were 20 pull-ups in total on the schedule. And I could actually do them pretty well now. So that's, that's always exciting. And there's a, there's a video over on the Outdoor Edit about how to work up to doing pull-ups if you're interested. Yeah, and it's, it's also something actually similar to the, the waist, waist to hip that people avoid. Um, <laughs> but it's also a really good measure of sort of your, your overall strength and, and body composition, right? Because it is sort of a power-to-weight sport. How much, sure. how much strength do you have? How much grip strength do you have? And then how much weight do you have to move? Um, so Dan John, my favorite of the strength coaches, he has sort of popularized this idea that, you know, if you can do a certain number of, I'll make you read the book, but if you can do a certain number of pull-ups, it, it actually is a great indicator that you're sort of rolling really well. You have, you know, good fitness, good body composition. Or you're just really good at pull-ups. Yeah, I, I think they go hand in hand, but you can prove me wrong. Nope, you can find I'm a very gonna, unfit person who just throws down pull-ups. And, I'm just going to train pull-ups. I'm just going to let myself go. Well, I think that's the point is like, rather than staring at a scale, we could work on our pull-ups and now we have a performance goal and hopefully everything moves in the right direction. Fair enough. All right. Pull-ups. So are we talking about pull-ups? No, I think that just covered oh, it. That's okay. just one of the favorite like regular things that we find ourselves doing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on is squats. I actually did an article for bicycling around this time last year um, about what would happen if you do squats every day for a month. So I was alternating between jump squats and then heavy squats. Uh, at one point, we were host or we were coaching a camp up in Bear Mountain in California. Big Bear. Big Bear, sorry, um, in California, and we didn't have any weights, so I actually went down to the shore of this little lake we were right near and just found a really heavy rock and just did some squats holding that, uh, proving that you can, in fact, do heavy-weighted squats from pretty much anywhere. Um, I mean, weighted squats, I don't know if it... I'm it's sure a that. pretty big rock. Whatever. <laughs> um, added some challenge. Uh, and I will say my waist-to-hip ratio during that month, I think my butt actually got like half an inch bigger, which when you don't have a lot of it, that's pretty substantial, so... Squats are something I still keep in, maybe not every day, but definitely a couple times a week. Yeah, I think that's, that's sometimes, and I think you've come through that. That's a miss sort of thing, like that, that's a bad thing. But That was a really hard one, man. I maybe grew, more accepted in these days. I but, grew up in the Nicole Ricci, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, like right. being the top model types of, of my age group. And it was very difficult for me to accept that having an ass is in fact a positive thing. Yeah, I mean, I was about 10 pounds lighter um, than I am now. So I think I was, I think I used to be like 135. Yeah, it I'll was I'll just really state annoying. this. And I had very little butt, but I also had very little seated power on my bicycle. So in mountain bike races, anytime I had to sit down and pedal, like on a loose, steep pitch, I would spin out and like fall over and then have to run and then I get passed by a bunch of people so I gained 10 pounds and a bit of a bite I still don't really it's not that much but um I can deadlift more I can kettlebell swing way more um and things improved I could actually pedal my bicycle seated with some sort of force so um even you know in the cycling power to weight sort of world I think you know there's there's a benefit to that right and and so not ever every increase in weight or 
um, those measurements, right, is necessarily bad. Well, the increase in the hip actually improves the waist-to-hip ratio. The ratio, for sure it would, yeah. As long as you're not adding to the waist at the same time. Yeah, and there's also a maximum number, I can't remember what it is, um, where you're sort of getting into wrist territory with, um, with the waist. Yeah. Uh, as a solo number, too, I think. Yeah, okay, so that's that's sort of that. And then we've both been experimenting with the walking lunge, which, if you guys remember, uh, what is the name Jacques of it? Jacques DeVore and Roy Maximum Wallace. Sustained Power. So a lot of people have gotten the book. Uh, a lot of people have been doing it now for the sort of three months, if not longer now. And any clients I have that have done it are amazed. They've been getting it on their bike here. We've had a warm streak, and they're just... Uh, one lady had climbed... A climb she'd never done in her big ring. She just flew up it, and some of the best intervals I've ever seen her do. I was a total jerk about the walking lunge at first, because we'd go to the gym, and I'd be like, Psh, I can do this all day. And then every time we do it, the next day, I am just, like, barely getting out of bed. Just everything is sore. Yeah, I've been working one-on-one with a client at the gym, too, and we've been throwing that in at the end. So we usually will do squats, um, you know, or some sort of just main sort of set. For strength and then we'll usually use that as sort of a finisher as this the Jacques uh, walking lunges but essentially it's like one to two minutes of lunges you take a break one to two minutes of lunges take a break one to two minutes of these walking lunges uh, and he takes little micro breaks as sort of his twist on it but essentially you're just doing a bunch of lunges with lighter weight though it's brutal yeah 10 to 20 pounds it seems to be uh, some people will get up to 25 sort of 30 pound dumbbells but uh yeah, you're just sort of moving through those relatively quickly, good form, and yeah, I don't know. I We did them a bunch. We talked about them uh, around the triathlon, so I used those to sort of load, because you get pretty sore from them, so I figured for the marathon component, more for the running, and I think it helped quite a bit with the soreness and recovery, especially post-Ironman. Mm-hmm. So the walking lunge is something that's very portable as well. Yeah. You know, any lunge, lunge stretch in, in place, sort of split squat, um, so yeah, I don't know. We brought that up just as sort of a, a gym thing you could do. Yeah. Those are just kind of a couple gym routines I could think of that were sort of important to us. Um, and now what do you think? Hit night routines? Sure. Yeah. I think that, you know, leads into that morning, right? And sometimes that gets missed in the morning routine is how you set up for that. Um, so I know a lot of my clients, it's getting over that, you know, everyone's gone to bed and you want to you, know, you want that time. You want that time yourself, and that's that's understandable, right? And and so it's and sometimes it's the discipline to get into bed and get ready for the morning, and you know take that time for yourself by you know reading a book in bed and getting shut down, uh, rather than maybe watching you know two or three Netflix shows, maybe just one. Um, you know, making sure if you do uh, do any of the screen stuff, maybe outside of the bedroom with the screen. Uh, use we use the Flux app just because it's through my computer. My my we have one computer with the screen sort of tinted and you get used to it pretty quickly um and that sort of is supposed to dim it and sort of take some of the blue light maybe out of it so maybe that helps for any tv watching you absolutely must do um and then yeah just sort of settle into that routine and usually i'll do a bit of stretching and stuff sort of as we're doing that to just sort of maximize our tv watching time which irritates molly but to no end but i've learned to live with it i'm a fidgeter i know it's terrible uh, and then, yeah, so we're in there. We both really like reading. So read and then, you know, sort of in bed as soon as you can so that you can get those, you know, honest sort of eight hours of actual sleep, you know, give it seven to nine hours of actual sleep. Right. And that, that could mean quite early bedtime if you're getting up, if you're one of these 4.30, 5 a.m. rise and shine. Even 6 a.m. 
really means that you're, if you're getting eight hours, you're asleep at 10, not going to bed at 10. You're asleep for 10. So for a lot of people, that's going to mean getting in bed for nine. Yeah. A lot of clients have, you know, that, that they want to snack at around that bedtime and, and it's getting just that little bit of discipline, maybe a lot of discipline to actually go to bed. You know, if, if that snack's coming and you could go to bed rather than snack, you know, try, you know, a little glass of water or something or a bit of tea, bedtime tea, and then, you know, brush those teeth and hop into bed. Because uh, a lot of times it's your body's sort of saying like, wow, I am tired. And then you're, you're interpreting that maybe as I need a snack, you know, to, for energy. But it's actually, that's like the high sleep, what they call sleep inertia, where you could actually go to sleep, mm-hmm. right? And then you get that big sort of really nice sleep early in the evening um, because that inertia they say starts fading as the night goes on right and I know certainly for me those hours like five to we're usually up at sort of six thirty-seven at the latest and that sort of if I that 5 a.m definitely it's not as restful as the like 10 p.m 9 p.m that's the money spot for sure if you can mm-hmm. get in bed there and again it's different for everyone we all have our responsibilities but my experience with clients with lots of kids and lots of job duties and lots of stuff going on is that there's usually a little bit of bedtime we can squeeze out of that and it makes the next day, the routine, the morning routine, the day, it all just goes a little bit better and, and, it, think, and it snowballs, right? Yeah. And I think one way to get over the snack thing that I've realized is having that breakfast that you're really excited about. So, yeah. you know. And you're definitely a snacker, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm maybe a bad example. Like I've definitely had to kick a bit of like chocolate sort of stuff, but you're, you're much more. Oh, I'm a dessert person all yeah, the way. You like sugar. So I love sugar. And so for you, it's been, you know, we phased you and tried dark chocolate for a bit, which you didn't really like. Don't like so you're it. Gonna go, but you've done a bunch of tea stuff. You've done like some strawberries, but you try and do it now a little earlier, like a little closer to dinner. Yeah, this is actually one of the great things Stacey Sims told me for that article was if you are a dessert person, just have dessert right after dinner. You're going to eat less because you're already full from dinner. And you're not waiting that hour till you're hungry again. You're not having it that close to bedtime but you're still getting the dessert. You're just cutting down on how much you have and you're just, you know, making that window of fasting bigger. So that's, I think, really helped. And it helps that, you know, once I sit down, if I don't have that snack, I know I'm not going to get back up and get it. But then, you know, we also have that couple slices of bacon in with our breakfast. And it's like one piece of bacon. We're not talking like a massive breakfast or anything. But knowing that I have this breakfast that I'm really looking forward to makes it a lot easier to not have the chocolate. Yeah, and I think, you know, I've had a couple clients, we don't do this very often, but a few clients actually have started, you know, routinely go walking with their spouse, um, you know, they, after dinner, they just go for a walk and, you know, they fit that into their, their evening routine, right? And they chat about the day and they get outside and, you know, they come back and then they sort of settle in for the evening, right? And, and that's sort of how that fits into their life great. Um, I'm trying to think of other things, you know, some clients will actually go out, you know, especially in the summer and they'll play hockey and stuff with the kids and just sort of get another sort of like tire the kids out till bedtime type thing. And again, that's, that's our consummate athlete lifestyle, right? Like we want to be out there doing that. So that's extra movement. And, you know, again, that fits with the family routine and, you know, curtails some of that post, post dinner time stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much our day. And then your last points, actually, in the in terms of favorite tips and hacks and stuff, we both have one to end on, so I'll let you go first. 
Um, I guess the, the as far as hacks, like I've again yeah, quotes I around did, hacks. Yeah, I mean it's just if you're if you're struggling to get workouts in, um, you know it's really getting other people involved. For a lot of people, is the thing, right? And we're both pretty bad for you know if someone's like, oh, I need your help with this, or you know come in and do extra time, or can you take this extra article or whatever. Um, so sometimes it's committing, right? So for me, it's, you know, I'll generally try and do some sort of strength workout when I have to go to the gym just before or after I'm there. And that's, again, I just always am set up that I do some sort of workout when I go to the gym. So something gets done. When you go to the gym to work. To, to, to work, sorry. Yeah. So, and I'm, and that's convenient. I work at a gym. So that's, you know, that's convenient. But I mean, how many people could go every day at noon, they could go to the gym at their work. There's a lot of people who have gyms you know, access to gyms at their work. There's a lot. Or of, they're right nearby. Or you could go for a walk, right? Like there's a lot of us, and if it's just not an option, but you maybe pair it with, you go to the gym with a friend mm-hmm. every day, you know, another coworker, you go for a walk with a coworker. Um, or if you don't have a convenient friend, a workout partner, keep working on that. But, you know, maybe at lunch, you always go and do some sort of errand, right? Like you pick up whatever, pick up groceries, go do your banking, you know, there's, there's generally some sort of errand you can go do. And so you, you would walk every day at lunch to go do something. And for me, that's a huge, like I'll run to the bank. And so there's a lot of times, like I'll ride the trainer for an hour, hour and a half, whatever I need to do. And then for the last half an hour, I'll run around town and, you know, drop something in here, drop something there, pick something up here. Um, you know, we met actually for lunch the other day and I had just run, I just ran down to meet you. Um, so just those like point to points or errand things, you know, dropping stuff off, you know, just, and it's not always the most convenient way to do things, but you know, on my bike, I'll ride two hours to go drop something off at my parents, um, or pick up something just random, right? Like it's not an emergency. It doesn't need to be done that way, but you know, now you have this little mission that's sort of motivating things. So I think almost gamifying or socializing more of your stuff, right? And I think it's easy to make it this solo endeavor. You know, we all stare at screens and have video games to entertain us while we exercise now. But trying to make it a bit more functional, Mm -hmm. I guess, is sort of the hack that I will propose for routines. I guess similar to my morning routine isn't all exercise. You know, I'm walking around outside doing some errands in the house and stuff. Yep. And then I think mine is to just know, know what to do when you're unmotivated or not motivated. Uh, for me, it's super cheesy, but I am a massive fan of like a few different like training montage type things from movies. I mean, obviously everybody knows the Rocky and Rocky four ones. I love them. I have them bookmarked on my computer and you know, some mornings when I don't want to get out of bed and do my yoga, I actually have to put one of those on to do my planks while I watch Rocky do his training. Um, and I find that that really helps. So figure out what kind of motivational stuff you need to have around you. I also reread like Matt Fitzgerald, Matt Fitzgerald's Great Endurance Diet book or Racing Weight. I've probably read them both 10 times. I, I could quote them from the top of my head. But I find when I reread them, I'm kind of reinvigorated to add that extra vegetable to my lunch or, you know, do that one extra thing to up my nutrition. So just kind of know what's going to get you re-excited about exercising and training and being a consummate athlete. Awesome. I think that's enough on habits. That's enough from us. If you have habits, if you have routines, if we missed an app, you can let us know. We have a contact form at consummateathlete.com. You can tweet at Molly J. Herford on the Twitter and the Instagram. I'm at Peter Glassford. 
Um, yeah, we'd love your suggestions. Again, consummateathlete.com. Download all past episodes, future episodes. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, before you go, we just wanted to have one quick word from our sponsor, Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance company that helps the consummate athlete, like you, save money on your life insurance. To find out more, you can check out healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D, that's C-A-P-O-D, for all the details and to take a free quiz. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast. To check out all of the show notes for this show, go to consummateathlete.com. And to follow along with our various adventures on the social medias, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash consummateathlete or follow me, Molly Herford, at Molly J. Herford on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Peter Glassford on Twitter and Instagram. And if you could do us a huge favor and rate and review the podcast over on iTunes, that helps us bring on more guests, you know, get more episodes out and do more cool stuff. So we would be forever grateful. And if you're looking for coaching for endurance sport or just for health and wellness, uh, you can check out smartathlete.ca. And for amazing outdoor content, you can check out theoutdooredit.com. Aw, honey. And that's theoutdooredit.com for Molly Herford's writing and all things outdoors. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.